Hello and a very good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Palace fans throughout the world. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Red and Blue Review. My name is Ian Noble and I'll be hosting tonight's show. Uh, another review on the back of another glorious away day. Three points on the road at Southampton yesterday. And Roy Ball continues to uh, uh, surprise and uh, delight us all in equal measure. And with me tonight, as you can see, joining me, um, the face and name behind this uh, podcast, Mr. Nick Philpott. Good evening, Nick. How are you? Hi, Ian. Very strange being on this side of the counter this evening. I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm very well, exceedingly well after yesterday. And um, my drinking partner before the game yesterday, Fergus Tidd. Um, have you recovered from yesterday, mate? Uh, only just. I'm still bouncing off the walls, to be honest. Fantastic day yesterday. So happy. Absolutely, so yeah. Evening all, everybody. Having, having, having been your drinking partner, though, I got home about two hours before you, so uh, I'm not you sure. Did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I chose the, right, chose the right mode of transport, but there we go. And um, and it was a, a really pleasant surprise to uh, when I got in the ground yesterday. Uh, there with me in the row in front was Bruce Muirhead from the DSA. Hello, Bruce. Good evening. Hi, guys. How you doing? Still on a bit of a high from yesterday. Yeah. Great to see you yesterday, Bruce. Uh, enjoy the game. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> no, I hated it. It was awful. <laughs> oh, it was shocking. Uh, yeah, shockingly good. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, the last week, it's just been phenomenal. Yeah, it's just still on, on that bit of our eye. Excellent. Good stuff. And we have so many people joining us uh, in the chat tonight. Uh, good evening, everybody that's joining us. And thank you for joining us and being with us this evening. Uh, we're obviously going to have a look back at the uh, three points on the road at St Mary's yesterday. Um, but before we do that, before we do that, this show, of course, you'll realise if you're a regular viewer of the Red and Blue Review, you'll know that it's not just about the first team. So I just want to have a quick reflect back at the beginning of the show, lest we forget, on the other other teams at the club. So the under-18s uh, yesterday on Saturday the 15th of April, um, they drew three all with the Canaries of Norwich City um, at the Palace training ground. So creditable uh, share of the spoils there with the under-18s. And their next match is against Chelsea. Um, that's at Cobham Training Centre. That's next Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Now, the under-21s, they have not played since we were last on air. Um, but they next play against uh, West Ham um, on tomorrow, Monday the 17th. And that's at 1pm. And you can watch that game live on Palace TV. So that's the under-21s tomorrow. And then, oh my goodness me, it's just when you want to read something off your phone, someone sends you a message. Um, and then the women, they played earlier today. Um, they were away to Birmingham City. No, they were home to Birmingham City, forgive me, at Hayes Lane. And they were on the wrong end of the six-goal scoreline. They lost 4-2 at home to Birmingham. And their next match is home to Lewis women uh, next Sunday, midday kickoff at Hayes Lane. So if you fancy a football fix next Sunday, um, having seen us beat Everton on the Saturday, then you can go along to Hayes Lane to see the women next Sunday at midday. And Lewis women, that's an interesting team in their league, isn't it? I don't know if you know this, but Lewis Football Club are the only club in the country where the men and the women are paid exactly the same. There we go. I only know that because I live down the road from Lewis in East Sussex. So that's a quick roundup of the other uh, teams at the uh, at the club. Um, before we get into the game tonight, I'm really delighted that, that Bruce uh, is with us from the DSA. Um, welcome along again, Bruce. It's not your first time on the show. You've been on before, haven't you? We have, yeah, yeah. I was um, with, uh, with my, uh, my partner, Lindsay, uh, 
on yeah, your yeah, committee you're, members. Yeah, you're flying solo tonight, and Lindsay, uh, I understand, is working. So uh, um, thanks for joining us, Bruce. Um, Pleasure. So tell us a little bit about um, the DSA. Um, first of all, remind us how and why the uh, DSA um, was established, you know, um, why the need for a DSA? So, so back in 2015, uh, the Premiership came up with a bit of a directive to look after our disabled supporters at grounds better. You know, uh, there, were, there was an organisation called Level Playing Field. It was already set up and that is access for all sort of stadiums, regardless of the sport, venues, concerts, whatever. But the Premiership put this directive in. Uh, so the Disabled Sports Association was formed mainly to manage the ongoing needs of disabled fans you know and if there was something a question they had or something they needed we are the middle people between the club and the disabled fans whether they're home or away fans so they can go onto our website cpfcdsa.org first there it is along the bottom of the screen Uh, there yeah thank you very kindly and they can contact us email twitter you know face ache uh, and ask us a question, see if we can help. And if we can, we will. And how many inquiries do you get then from disabled supporters on a sort of regular basis, say per week, for example? Yeah, it's, it, it really does vary, to be honest with you. Sometimes we can have three or four a week, somebody saying, you know, I'm, I'm hard of hearing, what do we do for a hearing loop? Or can I bring my guide dog? Uh, and then some weeks we, we don't hear anything. You know, So it's it's real, real hit and miss. But what we do do is we... We see a lot of our disabled supporters at the games anyway. Where I sit, I sit at the members uh, in Block D. So there's, you know, there's a lot of our wheelchair supporters that are sitting there in front. Uh, and likewise, my colleagues, they sit around the ground uh, where they see a lot of our disabled supporters anyway. Mm, okay. And you, you, met, you mentioned the club. Um, what, what sort of support do you get from the club for, for the DSA? The club are amazing. They really are. They, they, they've got... Uh, we've just got a new DLO, Disabled Liaison Officer, uh, Rihanna, who used to work in the box office. Okay. Uh, and, you know, from anything from giving us the venue, from helping out the fans, uh, from getting us, you know, a signed shirt for a raffle, uh, for getting pitch side photo shoots for level playing field. Very, very supportive. Yeah, they're great. They really are good. Brilliant. Okay. And... You know, pre-show we were talking about some of the numbers that that are members of the DSA, um, and then also the number of disabled supporters that the club have on their books. How and they, there was a difference there. Um, how do yeah. Palace fans that are disabled get involved with the DSA? Then what do they have to do? So basically, go on our website, join, come and join, uh, click on the link for membership, fill out the form. The form then gets pinged straight back to us. Uh, and you'll get involved in, you know, the emails, anything we send out, any information, any changes, any events that's happening, uh, and just get involved. And you've got some events coming up, I understand, quite soon? Yeah, we certainly have. Uh, back in, in June, so June the 3rd is the Beer Festival, so we'll be there present at the Beer Festival. Uh, and June the 10th, we've got our AGM. Our annual GBM. There we go. Is that, is that a beer festival glass you're drinking? Yeah, this, is, this is a beer festival glass. This is uh, this is from 2013. It's my favourite one, actually. I've got a couple, but I like this one best. So, yeah. There we go. Yeah. So we'll be there at AGM on June the 10th, which will be at the club at Speroni's. Uh, and again, all the details are, are to follow. Uh, our last one was very, very successful. Over 100 uh, attendees at that one. Uh, and great, great feedback. You know, we had a bit of a quiz. We had some guest speakers. We had some food. We had a tour of the changing rooms. 
yeah, it was great. Really, really, really good night. The next one at the AGM is going to be slightly more, uh, I'm not going to say boring, but we've got the the ugly stuff to swear in all the members and the committee members and the accounts and everything else. But after that, uh, we're looking forward to a bit of fun. We're looking forward to a good the, evening. The BBC stuff. BBC, boring but critical, needs to be done at an AGM, yeah? That's exactly that. Exactly Very that, good. Ian. Very good. Exactly and I know that. Nick and I are hoping to join you, so uh, thanks yeah, for please being do. Please thanks do. for inviting yep. us along. Really good. Okay, so anyone watching, if you want to go to the uh, DSA AGM, uh, get in touch with Bruce and um, let him know that you're interested. And Nick? Yeah, very quickly, uh, on the subject of the DSA, um, we were contacted last weekend, I don't know if you guys remember, by James Muckle, uh, part of our Down Syndrome Crystal Palace family, and he was telling us that they were playing away at the Emirates last Sunday. Uh, I'm delighted to say James is watching again this evening, uh, and he, I believe the score was 3-4 to the Palace team. So all of the Down Syndrome family, the Crystal Palace Down Syndrome family, on behalf of the Red and Blue Review family, massive congratulations, mate, and well done, and thank you for the photos. Good on you, buddy. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for bringing that in. That, uh, and that's a nice seamlessly takes us uh, into uh, into into tomorrow's uh, yesterday's game, rather. So, Bruce, listen. Thanks for joining us. You're going to stay with us for the show, I understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah. Especially as I saw you in the ground yesterday. So uh, I love to get love to game. You, you've got a lot to say. Um, so let me come to Fergus. Um, Ferg, uh, you're going to talk us through the game. But before we do that, let's have a look at the lineup. So um, Sam Johnson kept his place in goal. Um, Ward was uh, had the armband. Ward, Gahey, Anderson, Mitchell was the back four. Uh, Eze, Dekure, Schlup um, in the midfield. Elise, Edward, and Ayu up top. In other words, no changes from uh, the previous uh, week away at Leeds United. So, Fergus, talk us through. Let's relive yes. those moments yes. today. So, so the uh, the overriding stat that we went down there with was that we'd never kept a clean sheet against Southampton in 22 top flight games and 14 of those games we'd lost. So um, the odds weren't, they were pretty stacked against us, but bearing in mind we were coming in on the back of two fantastic wins, I think we were all pretty confident that we could get something down there. Um, but unfortunately, the first half, the way it kicked off, was a bit lacklustre, lack of quality, wasn't really much to report and there was a few sort of highlights which i'll i'll go over but um it's kind of very similar to the leeds game with the exception that we managed to keep a clean sheet first half um i think the first real effort at goal was in the 13th minute that was southampton um Aribo shot over it was a ward prowse took a short corner to walcott he pulled the ball back and Aribo was there just almost on the penalty spot and how he missed, I don't know. He blazed it straight over the bar. I think it landed in the back of the Palace supporters. It was like a training um, ground routine, that wasn't it? That, it was training yeah. ground routine, yeah. Yeah, and we were pretty lucky that didn't that didn't pay off because obviously that was early in the game and the momentum then would have been with them. Um, and then on the 15th minute, um, we thought we'd scored. Um, IU with a lovely little dink through. Um, Elise, one-on-one, ran the keeper, slots the ball in the net. And then the flag goes straight up. I don't even think it was checked for VAR. I think it was, it was pretty obvious. He was, <laughs> it was a mile offside. Rather buster it, yeah. Yeah, and and that was a bit frustrating. Um, and then I think the next main thing was 24th minute. Walcott again was involved. Uh, he had a shot over the bar. Um, 
Salima, I think he was probably one of their better players. Um, he passed it out to Walcott and poor effort, shot over the bar. And then I think the last, I think the last thing that happened in that half that was of any interest was Anderson being booked for hauling down the rebo. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys have got any views on the first half and um, what you thought, but it was Nick. pretty tame. Yeah, I was I was a little bit frustrated about the Elise effort because it's the sort of thing I, I think it probably comes with a bit of experience, a bit of age, just shows his youth really, that when he was put through for that non-goal, if he was actually between defender number four and defender number three, which means in front of him, in his eye line, he had defender number three, two and one. So he was officially looking along the line. Okay, he's not going to know about the guy behind him, but he was looking along the, along the line. He didn't need to make that run when he made that run. The most frustrating thing about his game, and let's face it, he's got a million talents, that guy, okay? But he just needs to learn. If he'd just held that run for two seconds, he would have been onside and there was nobody around him. Nobody around him, as we saw. He then went on finishing. And, you know, so if I'm being ultra critical, young Elise needs just to build that into his game to become the, the better player. That's what I wanted to say. Thanks, Nick. I think it's an important point, actually. Yeah, um, he's not the finished article yet, is he? He's got a lot to learn, and uh, that's a good example of how he can improve his game. Sure. Okay. Second half, Ferg. Um, so second half, I think. Well, the the, the halftime team chat would have been very similar to Leeds, I would imagine. In that, guys, you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. You need to find those spaces, Elisa and Eze. You need to do what you do best. You know, press forward, um, and uh, that paid off quite early in the second half, 54th minute. As they had a, uh, he, he got the ball. It was a long pass across field, beautiful pass um, from right to left. Ayu uh, chests it down, absolutely superb control. Um, he, he goes past uh, Maitland Niles and um, attempts to cross the ball. And Bazuma, I'm not quite sure what he was doing, but he just palmed the ball straight out to as a left foot volley. Open goal, one nil. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And I, I don't know if if you guys seen it, but you could actually see the energy drain from all the Southampton players. Their heads dropped. And I think at that point, I thought we've got them now. You know, it, you couldn't see. It was almost like if we scored first, that was it. They, 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 they were going to collapse. And you, you could physically see those players, um, the energy drained from them. But do, um, do, sorry, Ferg, I want to cut, cut across you there. Um, do, you, do, you, do others agree with you there? Because only three weeks earlier, they were 3-1 down at home to Tottenham with eight yeah. minutes left and drew 3 all. So yes. they had been fighting them that day. Um, yeah, uh, but obviously I wasn't at the game, so I couldn't see how they reacted to that being 3-1 mm-hmm. down. But but their reaction when, when Eze went in, uh, when Eze scored that goal and the ball went in, it was, um, yeah, you, it, they, they just looked demoralised. Um and then I was, of course, hoping for another repeat of last week, you know, a, few, a few more goals. Um, and we had to wait till the 68th minute um, for the second goal. Um, Decore picked the ball up in midfield. Um, he kind of dragged the ball under his studs to go past um, yeah. Alcaraz. And then he drove forward and uh, a little three ball to Eze. And then, you know, Eze's, it was just fantastic what he did. He faints. 
back almost towards his own goal and then back again towards their goal. Um, t- takes a couple of touches and then just drives that 25-yarder straight into the bottom left-hand corner. Mm. Keeper had no chance. Absolutely fantastic goal. Great bit of skill um, um, by Eze. What was he doing shooting now? <laughs> he had, no, yeah, he had no right to shoot there. He had so many other options, didn't he? Uh, and when, yeah. he made that, when he placed that shot, I thought, why did he take that shot? That's going to go wide. It didn't. It just snuck inside the post. It's brilliant. Do you, do you think this is something? Do you think this is something that Roy Hodgson's uh, um, asked them to do? Shoot more on site. What, what do of you course, think, Bruce? Bruce? Sorry, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, you know, you, you look at the stats that we've had the shots on goal since since Roy's come back, uh, and without a doubt, he's saying, you know, if you get an opportunity to shoot, shoot, uh, and the guys are doing it. And under the area, it was almost like, you know, they had to walk it into the goal at times, wasn't it? You know, they had to, had to have the yeah. perfect shooting opportunity, you know, and have a 95% chance of scoring before they took a, took the shot on goal. Well, like, like, like Nick just said, you wouldn't expect Eze to shoot from that from that distance. You'd expect him to try and run it into the box and try and play little one-twos and then put it in the back of the net. But, mm. yeah, it's different different tactics. Yeah, yeah and tactics, just, yeah. Just, just on a point, Ian, uh, Tim's raised, in, Tim Richards has raised in the, in the comments about if it had been... Salah or Haaland on match of the day, they'd have been talking about it, you know, for weeks and weeks and how sublime it was. And and that, and that was a bit poor by match of the day, you know. We were second from last and I think we got about five minutes. And if that. Yeah, yeah, if that. And it was kind of like, oh yeah, yeah Eze's playing well, you know. It, mm. It's really it's really frustrating that we're not, we're, you know, the players aren't getting the credit they deserve because that was a superb goal by Eze. You know, he's, he's, he's a quality player. And uh, yeah, it definitely deserved more airtime. Um, so I'll, I'll carry on. Um, yeah, please so, do. so after those two goals, uh, a lot of the Southampton fans started to leave the grounds, <laughs> understandably so. Um, especially after the conversations we had with the guys in the pub before the game, you know, they were almost resigned to the fact that they were going to lose. And I think 2 0 down after 70 minutes, they were like, right, no point hanging around. But saying that, it kind of did spring Southampton to life. They had a couple of chances um, just after that second goal. Um, Alcaraz, who I th- he was probably their most effective player. He had a shot from outside the area, which hit the, um, the post, the right side of the keeper. He'd beaten the keeper. And it bounced back across the goal. And I mean, that was quite fortunate, really, that there wasn't anyone there to tap it in. Um, and Mitchell managed to, take it, to get the ball and put it safe. And then... Not a minute later, Southampton had a throw down that down our end again, and uh, Maitland Niles crosses it. Ward Prowse kind of flicks it on with his boot. I don't think he really knew much about what he was doing, but but anyway, and it, it kind of it fell towards and um, Alcaraz. They both jumped for the ball, both missed it, but it fell nicely for Alcaraz. He's probably what six yards out if that turn swivels, blazes it straight over the bar. So mm-hmm. again, quite fortunate with that. Um, and then in the 76th minute, um, Bella Kocha, um he had a shot from about 30 yards out. And Johnston, and I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss, you know, Johnston's role in the team. Yeah. But fantastic save, right hand post, palmed it away. And what I love about Johnston is when he when he saves, he doesn't just he doesn't just save it and the ball drop a yard away. He makes sure he pushes it as far away from the goal as he physically can. Uh, I think it ended up out near the corner post, you know, so um, great save there. Yeah, 
Well, well, the Palace fans have certainly taken to him, haven't they? Because after two games, he's got his own song to rocking all over the world. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you weren't at the game yesterday, guys. You won't know what we're talking about, but I'm not going to sing it for you. But you know, it's uh, it was something else, really. Yeah, just on that, I, I think towards the end of the game, the Southampton fans, either side of the Palace fans, weren't watching the game. They were they were enjoying the large array of different songs that our supporters <laughs> were singing. I don't know how many songs we sang yesterday it must have been 20 25 exactly. different tunes yeah. and you could see them thinking christ how many songs have these guys got <laughs> it was just brilliant it was fantastic uh, anyway back to the game uh, 81 as a um he, he picked the ball up on the left wing he passed it through to Hughes. um i think Ayu actually sort of like did a little bit of a dummy you know sort of missed it and and Hughes was clean through and then he chips the ball over to the right-hand side to Elise, um, who cuts in on his left. Um, and it's a short pass, and it, it just goes behind Schlupp, but it falls to Ayu superbly. And you just think, yeah, here we go, 3-0. And he's unfortunately bent his shot over the bar, top right-hand corner over the bar. So should have been three, but... Um, I think he almost tried too hard, didn't he? You know, he almost tried to place it in the top corner, whereas if he, he just did. hit it, and connected either side of the goalkeeper is in, isn't it? So you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then the last kick of the game, really. You know, um, again, Mitchell. You know, um, uh, not yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, he, win, he wins the ball in the middle of the park. I'm not quite sure what he was doing there, but but he won the ball in the middle of the park and he passed it to Lakonga. He took it forward and then he passed it out to the right um, to Elise, and Elise cuts in and Bella Kocha obviously. Can't catch him, so hauls him down. Yellow card, um, free kick on the right side of the box, and uh, and then Elise nearly repeats what he did against Manchester United. Left-footed free kick, bends it, beats the keeper, but unfortunately it hits the outside of the post and goes yeah. out for a goal kick. Um, in summary, I think you know first half, not a lot of quality there. Second half, we you know we were more clinical. Um, we took charge of the game. Um, two great goals for Meze, fantastic goals. Um, probably man of the match, but I think I think IU probably wasn't too far behind him for, for his effort in the game. I mean, considering he's replaced uh, our talisman, Zaha, I think he's he's filled that void um, fantastically well. He's, he's just he's just been immense the last sort of three games. So uh, hats off to IU. Um, yeah, and. You know, 11 shots, I think, Southampton, 10 for us. So they had four on target. We had two, scored two. So, you know, 100%. Yeah, does that, does that worry you at all? In as much as, you know, we were eulogising over the number of shots on target we had against Leeds. Obviously, we scored the five goals. And even in the Leicester game, I think we were talking about the fact that we had loads of shots on target. Forgive me, I can't remember the exact numbers. But yesterday, just two shots on target. Worried about that, Nick, at all? Okay, um, thank you for passing to me because actually I wanted to talk about um, that not so much, okay, but the answer to your question is no because I think what we haven't touched on here is the first half in particular, it was actually a tactical masterclass by Hodgson. He knew that yesterday's game was going to be a completely different uh, setup playing Southampton as he was against Leeds. So what he asked them to do in the first half in particular, which is answering your question about the lack of shots on goal, was to play a lot narrower. 
Okay, do not play your expansive stuff. Hold them. You know they're going to come at you. Hold them and keep it there. And that's exactly what they did. Hence why we had no shots. Second half, okay, let's try and get it to some of our players who are a little bit more expansive, IU in particular, okay, Eze and Elise. And then we had some, had some shots, two of which were on target. And Asperger has just pointed out on goal. Two other quick uh, observations from the game, if you don't mind. Yeah, Carol. Joe Aribo. How does he feel now? Don't forget, Palace were all but signing. He came for a medical before he signed to, for Southampton. Southampton mm. came in very late and mm. bought an office when he was at Rangers. How does he feel? James Ward-Prowse. <laughs> and, but, would you, but would you have him in your team? The answer is yes, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let us know in the chat if you'd have James Ward-Prowse. Let's assume Southampton get relegated, which they're looking pretty hot favourites are going down. JWP, Sellers, would you have him or not? Yes or no, in the chat. And the final, the, the final thing I'm going to say, because you three were at the ground yesterday, and to each and every one of you that were uh, St Mary's yesterday, you are to be massively congratulated. I've seen some loud Palace away trips, okay? Namely, I think obviously the Villa Park going back in the years. I've seen Wembley, fantastic. Uh, but I'm telling you now, as a... As a Standard league game from home, watching it at home, you were louder, prouder, and wore your red and blue on your sleeve. And you are all to be mightily, mightily proud of your efforts. You are outstanding, every one of you. Well done. That's interesting. Uh, Paul Bristow said he travelled back with a couple of neutral fans back towards the West Country in Plymouth, where he lives. And uh, he, he said, these guys said that uh, Crystal Palace had three standout players yesterday, uh, Eze, Elise and the fans. So um, <laughs> nice. yeah, I your point, Nick. Uh, thank you for that. Do you know what? I'm, I'm a bit disappointed, actually, because I thought for the first time ever, we would have all four panellists of the Red and Blue Review at an away game and do a show. But sadly, you let the side down, mate, and didn't make it. Never mind. Maybe another time, hey? So uh, there we are. Can I just go back think... to something Ferg said about about uh, Mitchell in the middle of the park? The uh, usually I, I see it a couple of times where Mitchell was 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 playing almost in the midfield role, you know, getting getting right up the pitch. But there was one incident that really really I was pleased with was Ward. The ball was going almost down for a free kick for a goal kick, and Ward run ran this guy and managed to take the ball and put it into the box for a goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Ward that high up the pitch. Good point. Playing, yeah. playing, playing that role. It was absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, really, really good point, game. Bruce. Really good point. It was in front of us, wasn't it, in the in the second half? It was, yeah. And um, it, it, the ball went across the six-yard box. I thought, why isn't anyone there to tap it in? You know, it was yeah. a brilliant uh, assist. Yeah. So it would have been a brilliant assist. It would have been a great assist, yeah. would have yeah. been a great assist. Yeah. Well, we've seen it at other clubs, you know, in the Premier League a lot. Their fullbacks playing high up and into the midfield. You know, Cancelo was the archetypal player of that at City when he was there earlier this season. But um, you know, it's good to see our fullbacks doing that. And whether yeah, that's a, a, you know Roy's doing, it must be, mustn't it? Really, because it hasn't happened uh, previously. Yeah, he, he had a good game yesterday. I mean, we called him out first half against Leeds. He wasn't great. Uh, second half, he was a bit better. But he had a, a much better game yesterday, Ward. Yeah, and, and it's, it's amazing the stats, isn't it? You know, I know it's only three games. I know only three games. You know, we scored nine goals in three games under Roy Hodgson. Um, prior to that, in 28 games, 
we'd scored just 22 goals this season. Um, quite amazing. amazing. There we are. Lampard versus Hodgson. Three goals. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well done. And the irony, of, the, <laughs> the irony of that is we could be above them in, in two games. Yeah. On that thought, then, on that thought, then, boys, are you aware? <laughs> you, uh, they've got. We discussed on last week's show. They're really tough running, and our easier running. And the only thing, apart from the three points, the only thing that's going to keep us taking Chelsea in the league is we are minus six goal difference to them. Okay, so it's a shame that we didn't go on and score one or two more goals to make that a little bit easier. But it's minus six is the only difference between us and Chelsea. They spent 300 million quid last year. Okay, what did we spend? Five or six or whatever it was? Six. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. I think I think certainly Chelsea are within our sights. Um, I think someone in the chat earlier said, you know, are we, we looking up rather than down now? I think very definitely. I think if you... If you look at the, uh, there's the, there's Roy with his medals. Um, brilliant. Producer guy, you've done a great job tonight, mate. This is awesome stuff. Um, so uh, I think that's when he was collecting his CBE or something. But look, you know, Chelsea are within our sights for sure. They have had the most awful season. They've spent all that money. You're right. Um, and uh, there's no doubt about it. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to catch them and, and to look upwards rather than downwards. Um, let me come to some more questions then. I want to thank Andrew Adams for these in the question crew. Um, Nick, um, did you want to come in now to talk something specifically? Or Yeah, I was going to do the uh, the Matrix. I'll, I'll, I'll come to that later. Is that right? I will yes, come right. to you later on that one. Yeah, okay. so, um, so, Andrew Adams, thank you for your, your, your questions. And we've had this question in the chat earlier from several people in different guises. So, three games, three wins. Do we change a winning team? And by that, specifically, the goalkeeping position. So, Super Sam Johnson in goal, two games, all right. Um, if Vincente Guita gets fit again, does he get his place back? Um, and similarly, with Zaha. So, if, if Wilf is fit again, uh, I saw Grant Saunders giving a, a comment about that earlier in the chat about Zaha and how we always seem to give the ball to him. Everything has to go through Wilf. Um, so... If Vincente and Wilf, not if, when they're fit again, do they walk straight back into this team or do they not? Let's come to you first, Nick Philbrook. Um, My personal opinion is, and by the way, somebody said, uh, heard earlier that uh, in the chat, Mark just said, um, Chelsea can still mathematically get relegated. Yes, that is the case, but the freak result that would have to be to get to that, it's not going to happen, of course. Um, Zaha Guaita, I think it's a tough one. You don't ch change a winning team two and a half games without Zaha, and we've won them both. Uh, Guaita, has he been out for all three of them? I think he has been out for all three of them. I think it'd be very hard on uh, Sam Johnston if uh, he loses his place. Another clean sheet yesterday. Um, you can't you can't drop him if he had a bad performance, dodgy save. You can't you can't drop him. You just can't do it. Zaha is a different one. Zaha. My instinct says no. Don't let him. Yeah, let him work his way back into the team. Yeah, you know, bear in mind we're going to have to play next season without him. Okay, unless he does something stupid like signs a new co uh, contract extension, which we don't believe he's going to do. Okay, although that's not off the table, by the way. Um, I don't. You know, we've got to learn to play without him. And by God, we are now learning how to play without him. Look at the last three performances. Um, I think it'll be very tough on the IU under his current lease that he's been given by uh, Roy and Ray that 
he's going to be dropped out of the team if Zaha is, is fit. And bear in mind, he's, he won't be match fit either. He might be fit and ready to play, but he won't be match fit wherever okay. everybody else is. No, is the answer. I don't think we should. Okay. Fergus, do you agree with Nick or not? Um, I So my view would be, um, I think Guita came back too early from the injury and he's out again. Um, Zaha's injury, I think, is probably a little bit more serious than um, w- w- we expect. I think he might be out longer. And I think the fact that we're playing so well with this team now and it looks settled, um, I'd be inclined to keep the team the way it is. Mm. Um, and only if there was a real need, like if somebody was injured, like Johnston was injured or Ayu or Elise or Eze was, was injured, to bring back... Um, Wilf, um, I just think let him let him recover, let him sit at home and let him think about the 200k that's there on the table for him and whether he really wants to be a Palace legend forever or whether he wants to take a different direction in his career. Okay, well, the, the 200k a week bit, I'll, I'm glad you mentioned it because we'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a sec. But, um, so you're saying. So I understand you're saying keep the winning keep the winning side, no keep changes. It, keep it as it is, yeah. Okay. And Bruce, would you're going to make a? a, a I would. A, I would a, keep Sam keep Sam in there between the posts. I think he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, uh, I think predominantly most of the game come down with Lise down the right hand side. Myself, I think I'd want to bring Zaha back in, and give us the options of both both sides, both both wings. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think in the chat there's a lot of people saying, you know, um, Sam Johnston, keep his place, uh, Wilf, um, bench him, um, bring him back. I remember when he returned... Ian, can you imagine? I remember, just, I, I remember when he returned to us, um, I, I think it was away at Newcastle, and um, we we drew three all, and he, he was benched. He was his first game back or something after the... The loan move when he when he's back on loan. I might be wrong. I think it was Newcastle, and he came off the bench. I think he might have scored. I can't can't remember. Someone in the chat will correct me. Um, but that was the, the, the one of the few times I remember him being a sub for us. Um, but yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I think the way Jordan Ayew is contributing to this side at the moment with the assists and and getting in goal scoring opportunities like he did yesterday and the goals he got at Leeds. You know, you, you can't drop the guy. He's he's playing too well. And you're not going to drop a Lise. You're not going to drop anyone else. So I think uh, even though he is a Palace legend, Richard Thomas says he always will be a Palace legend regardless of choice that he makes. Um, I think yeah, in, in this current climate where we are, he needs to bide his time. So I think uh, he'd be a fantastic impact player. Oh, can you imagine awesome. Can you imagine 65th minute Zaha coming on the pitch? Oh. You know, what the other team's going to be thinking? Oh, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can well, it get any worse? Kind of thing that, uh, if he did, if he did go to a club like Arsenal, that's something that he would need to get used to, you know, because he he wouldn't walk into their side um, necessarily, um, or, or any other team that's playing in the in the top four or five of, of this division and uh, playing European football. So um, it will be an interesting one. Um, Ten million pounds a year is um, is uh, the the wages two hundred thousand a week. Um, a lot of people say no to that. Is Wilfred Zaha worth two hundred k? Uh, a week, guys. Um, in other words, should he stay or should he go um, at the end of this season? Bruce, going to come to you first. Do you know what? I, as much as I'd like him to play, I, I wouldn't miss him. So, you know, 
is he going to sign a year contract? Uh, you know, we know the club don't do two-year contracts for anybody over 30. So will mm-hmm. he sign a year's contract or, or will he get an opportunity to take some money and run uh, and, and go and play somewhere else? I don't know. If he, go, if he goes, fair dues. Good luck to the guy. Yeah, sure. And he's already turned down the Saudi Arabian deal, we understand. So, um, yeah, is he going to stay or go, Ferg? Um, I, I, well, I hope he stays. I do hope he stays. Um, but I think 200,000 a week sets a dangerous precedence for the club. Mm. I think you're right. Um, other you're players right. will start to, you know, we'll, we'll go out and try and sign the next Zaha, the next Aliso, the next Eze, and they'll be going, right, well, you're paying that person 200. I want 210. You know, it's and, and we're not that type of club. We can't afford it. I, I even think 200's a stretch for us. Mm. Um, yes, I'd like him to stay, but not on £200,000 a week. Yeah. Um, you know, he's on 130, is it? 130, may, yeah. May, yeah. yeah, maybe push it to 150 max, tie in some bonuses, gold bonuses, all the rest of it, you know, but... No. Yes, I want him to stay, but not at £200,000 a week. It reminds me of a funny story I heard about Harry Redknapp when he signed a player. And um, they agreed the deal for this striker. I don't know who it was. Anonymous. And he was on 50k a week. And they agreed the 50k a week. So it was obviously a while ago for this top striker. And then the guy said, "Um, what about goal bonuses, boss? He says, goal bonuses? I'm paying you 50k a week. What do you think I'm paying you for? To miss them? So, you know, if we're paying them the salary to score goals, you know, Nick. Let's don't let's not forget, talking about the Zaha 200 grand a week, we've still got a major chopping up exercise to do at the end of the season. I think it's still eight players out of contract. We've still got a lot of players we need to bring in. That £200,000 a week of a Zaha that's probably just gone past the peak of his prime is a lot of money and it will actually hinder us chopping those players in at the end of the season. Yeah. Rob yeah. Cranfield in the comments actually he's got yeah it's just just coming up on the screen but he's got a good point there because Zaha's not he's, you know he's not a young whippersnapper anymore more prone to injuries you don't want to be paying someone two hundred thousand pound a week to sit on the bench or, or or be in the injury room you know recovering um, yeah very good point indeed and we've seen that this season haven't we um, uh, as we as we're experiencing as we're living through these times now um, Wilf isn't the young man that he was. Um, I, I think I don't think the club will make an exception. Bruce alluded to the fact that over 30, no two-year deal. It's a one-year deal only. I'd be surprised if the club did make an exception for him there. Um, but he's got to decide himself. Uh, you know, you're talking about, Ferg, you said about oh, maybe 150 or something. But my understanding is the, the, the offer is on the table. If you want to stay, Will, yeah. you'd be welcome. It's a year. It's 200 k a week. That's what we'll pay you. Which sort of matched the Saudi Arabian deal albeit as the tax implications. So um, whether whether we agree that it's worth it or not, whether we agree that it sets this uh, this precedent for the club, that other players will come in and demand, maybe not the same amount, but slot, you know, a lot more than they're on at the moment, um, who knows? But um, I, my understanding is that's, that's the deal. So will he stay or will he go? Nick, will he stay or will he go? I think he'll go. Um, I've been proud to see him grow up from a 17-year-old boy making his debut to the player that he is today. But as the boys have just said, injury-prone injury now. I don't want him in the treatment room. Go. Yeah. When you think IU's on 60k a week and Wilf will be on 200, they're playing in a similar On that position. subject, then, I would prefer this invest. And somebody else has just said something similar in the chat. 
I would prefer to be invest in Alise and Eze, okay? Yeah. Give them, them down to the better deals, okay? And, and invest for the future, not the past. So yeah. is Eze the new Zaha? You know, and, and before you answer that, um, there was one occasion yesterday in one of the uh, 25 different songs that we sang from the away end um, was He's Just Too Good For You, which really made me laugh. Um, <laughs> as Eze sort yeah. of got fouled again. So is Eze the new Zaha? What do we think? The glide is back. Yeah. I'm, I'm, glide. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. I think Eze is a, is a, at his age, is a lot more skillful than what, what, what Zaha was in his early years. Mm. I think, but I think the game's developed a little bit more as well. And, and when Eze's playing with Elise, uh, you know, the pair of them are, are, are great. You know, it, it takes me back to, you know, Balassi and Zaha days, you know, when we were both yeah. running down the wing like there was no tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen no. it. Eze, right out on the left-hand side, um, and, and the ball came down to him in the air. And he just, he took it on, he took it on his foot. He, he kept the ball up. He dinked it over the player and then he dinked it past him, ran round him. It's just, it was sublime. I was like, oh my God. I'm not, I think that, it's too early to call him the next Zaha, but. Yeah, maybe, maybe. The other thing he's added to his game, boys, the other thing he's added to his game in, since he's been out injured is strength. Okay. Strength, he was a little bit lightweight before he was, a, he was easily shoved off the ball. Okay. Yesterday in, more than any of the other games he's played so far this season for us, he showed his strength. He would knock a player off the ball, okay, and then run past him. He's he is a massive prospect for our club. Yeah, absolutely unplayable at times, I think. And um, yeah, I remember that uh, for a brilliant bit of skill, wasn't it? And, uh, again, yeah, second half, absolutely fantastic. And there was a good comment just come up there, Ian, as well. That yeah. you know, obviously Eze will get less yellow cards than Wilf. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot calmer, isn't he? You know, he's a lot more uh, uh, level. Managed well, that's, that's why, smile on his face, you know. That's so. why Ward Prowse was so subdued yesterday, wasn't it? He didn't have anyone to bully. <laughs> didn't have anyone Very to wind up. Pick on him. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> we've um, we've 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 touched on this one already as well, guys. You know, we've had the Chelsea are in our sights. You know, um, Chelsea, Brentford, Fulham. Should we be looking up rather than down now? Is it too early to do that? Um, can we finish top half? I know Grant Saunders would be pleased if we did because he's got a bet on. He always tells people about his bets. But can we finish top half? Nick Philpott, yes or no? Very briefly, the answer is yes. The only one that we will out of those three teams you just mentioned is Chelsea. We won't catch the others. So we won't then. We'll finish 11th if that's the case. Uh, yeah, Ferg, be, yeah, that's right. Ferg, can we finish top half? Yes or no? Uh, yes, and I'd like us to because I want Grant to buy me a beer with the winnings. <laughs> Bruce, coming to you now. No, we own 12th place. Let's keep 12th place for the end of the season. It's ours. That is 12th. Is, uh, yeah. It's got a ring to it, hasn't it? Yeah. Maybe 11th, who knows? But uh, yeah, it might be just a, a tad too far that top half this season, but, but we shall see. Now, um, Nick, you said earlier about this. Um, uh, these these stats that you've got about who's going down, who's going to finish champions, and all the rest of it. So over okay. to you. Let's get the Thank latest you. scores on the doors. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, these this is Carl Davis's stats. They're not my stats. They're from the matrix he's been running all season as to the predictions on where people will finish. Now, don't forget this does not include tomorrow night's game with Leeds playing. Okay. So this is so it's not it's a hundred percent accurate, but a lot has changed this weekend. 
for the give you a clue. And there it is. We are predicted to finish now in 12th, Crystal Palace 12th, okay, on 43, uh, 43 points. The probability of relegation for Palace has gone from two weeks ago when we were talking about this, a 12% chance of relegation. Pin your ears back, everybody, to 0.9% chance of relegation. Yay. Yay! At the top, it's all changed again with Arsenal crumbling again, okay? Okay. Uh, Number in first place and champions on 88 points are Man City with equal points with Arsenal. Okay, equal points with Arsenal. Uh, Newcastle third, Man United fourth. Okay, sadly, Brighton are in seventh. Um, and down the bottom, the one that you're all waiting for, uh, in 15th place will be Bournemouth on 38 points, 16th place will be Leeds on 37. Everton, assuming they don't get a points deduction will stay up on 35 points, okay? And the bottom three are Leicester on 34 points, Forest on 33 points, and Southampton on 31. Now, again, that's all down to uh, Everton's, uh, they've got uh, whatever is going on with the FA. If they get a points deduction, of course, Everton will get pulled into that. But sadly, I think uh, that bunch of Scousers will stay up on one point, according to Carl Davis, one point. Very good stuff, Carl. Congratulations, mate. Good, thanks, Nick. Really interesting. Um, what let, let's just stay with that for a moment. The Everton thing, we play them next Saturday at Selhurst. Um, we'll finish the show on predictions, so we won't do that just yet. Um, have a think about your prediction for the Saturday's game. What do we think will happen about their points deduction? <laughs> what, what's going to happen with their points? Deduction? Is it are they going to get deducted points this season? So is Carl going to be wrong in that respect, or will it carry over to next season? What's going to happen? I'll take, it, I'll take it first, if you don't mind. My my yeah. actual, my honest opinion is that it actually won't get finalised until midway through next season. So regardless of what division they're in, okay, it'll actually take take effect. Now, that will really pee off Leicester, Forest and Southampton. And, and talking about the Everton game, and I'm not doing predictions yet, um, uh, Jason Cadle has once again put out on mass social media, please bring your scarves to the Everton game. Think about the initiative that happened two weeks ago or last week, the weekend before last, and the effects it had on the home crowd and how we were up on the home crowd. Please bring your scarves to Palace. And well done, Jason Cadle, top man. Good. Thank you for that. Just reminding us about that. OK, um, so we've, you know, the general consensus, I think, is that Everton might get let off this season and their points deduction, if they get a points deduction, will be applied to next season. Um, one of the things that we, we do on this show um, on a regular basis is a loan watch. Um, before I start talking about these players and how they got on yesterday um, up and down the, the length and breadth of the country, um, which of these players, guys, do you think should be brought back into our first team fold um, next season? I'm going to ask you to pick one each. All right, You can pick the same one if you like, but hopefully you won't all pick the same one. So I'm going to start off with uh, Jezreg Saki. He scored loads of goals for Charlton, um, but he didn't score yesterday because he played 81 minutes and they were on the wrong end of a 6-0 defeat to Ipswich. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Remy Matthews um, let in two goals. Uh, St. Johnson lost 2-0 away at Livingston. Rob Street started for Shrewsbury Town, scored in the 53rd minute, booked in the 56th and was substituted on 90. Uh, Killian Phillips played in the same game, full 90. Um, uh, one one draw uh, against Pompey. 
Jake O'Brien started for RWD Molenbeek. Um, that was this afternoon uh, and was booked. Jack Butland, he was on the bench for Man U today, apparently, against Forrest. Um, Malachi Babatang played full 90 minutes at Queen's Park in a 1-0 home win against Hamilton Academical. I love that name. Uh, Malcolm Aboe came on as a sub. He can't make the starting 11 at Hull City. That's amazing. He keeps getting um, just starting on the bench. Played just five minutes in a 0-0 draw away at Blackburn. Scott Banks, however, played for 85 minutes and scored uh, for Bradford City uh, in a 3-0 away win against Rochdale. John Kamani Gordon, he came off the bench for Carlisle in a 0-0 draw against Northampton. Uh, Luke Plunge, I, can't, I don't get this one either because this guy was uh, bigged up. He came on as a sub in stoppage time for Lincoln City. What's the point of that? Um, and the others are, are non-league. So of all those players out on loan, which one is going to make it in our squad next season? I'm going to come to you, Bruce, first of all. Who do you think? Purely because my brother's a Charlton fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mackie's gone over there and he's, he's, he's been banging them in all season. Uh, and he's been given lots and lots of play time. Uh, I think absolute asset to, to a future squad. So, yeah, bring him back, get him on the squad for next season. Cheers, Red Saki, for you. OK, Ferg, what about you? Well, because I can only mention one name, I'm going to say I agree with Bruce, and then I'm going to go Killian Phillips. Mm. And, and I know you. I know. I, I think I knew, know why you why you said that. But um, you went on the uh, tour uh, pre-season down under, didn't you, to Australia and Singapore? Yeah, and uh, he was man in the match against Liverpool, and they were yeah. playing their strongest side. Yeah, um, he looked really, really good. You impressed, didn't you, on that tour? Yeah. Okay. Killian Phillips for you, Jack Rack, Jez Raksaki rather. Uh, Nick, what about you? I don't care, you're hosting. I'm going to give you two, whether you like it or not. Jez, Rak, <laughs> Jez Raksaki anyway, uh, for, uh, and it's for obvious all the reasons already specified. And I think it's still open, ladies and gentlemen. Please make sure you jump onto the Charlton's Player of the Year because Palace fans have been uh, hijacking it. Vote for Jez, <laughs> make him a Palace player, Charlton Player of the Year. Just for the comedy value, please. And also Scotty Banks. A uh, uh, word out for Scotty Banks. Yeah. Not as prolific as Jeff Rackley this season, but he has been scoring regularly for Bradford. So, uh, and I think he would learn a lot from being around players like Zaha, like um, Matessa up front and that sort of stuff. So, uh, Scotty Banks. Yeah, he's scored some great free kicks, hasn't he, Scott Banks? Um, from what I've seen at Bradford. Um, he's getting game time. So, you know, it's really strange, isn't it? Have we bought we bought Plunge and um a Bowie? They both come from Derby, is that right? Did they both come from Derby? Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. Then, yeah, they're both they're, from they're not even featuring for their sides. I just don't get that. I don't understand that at all. Um, but but there so, we are. Somebody else mentioned in comments, James Convey, um Barmer, Kofi Barmer. Now he's not on loan, I believe. I think he's in the under twenty ones, but right. he's another quality centre-back coming through. Yeah. Looks really yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, so there's a lot of talent out there, but we, we've said before on this show, um, it's a big step up from, you know, um, the League One or playing in Belgium or wherever they're playing compared to the Premier League. But they've got to make the step up at some point. And I, I think you're right, Bruce, about uh, Raksaki, you know, the way he's really impressed scoring goals at League One level for fun, really. 
Uh, and if he wasn't included in our squad next season, I think I'd be disappointed. Paul Brist, talking to players then, Paul Bristow's asked a, a question. Um, where is Amada? Where is Amada? Um, we bought this lad from Stuttgart for about 10 million euros um, in the window, in the last window. Um, Patrick Vieira was, um, he, I don't think he started him, but he, he had him on the bench. And he's not featured at all under Roy Hudson. Anyone got any thoughts about that? Uh, I didn't see. I don't. I don't remember the uh, lineup. And Nigel, we got the lineup. Was he on the bench yesterday? No, he wasn't. No, no he wasn't. No, he, he, he was certainly on the bench at Leeds. Okay, so he was in the in the in the squad. I don't think he was on the bench Leeds. at Leeds. I don't think he was. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nigel, but I don't think he was. Nice. See if you can find the slide uh, because uh, from last week's game because I think he was. Um, but uh, I, I, I think. I don't think he, I think it's because Roy doesn't know him. He's never seen him play. Don't forget, he was brought in from Arsenal. Who was our previous manager? Patrick Vieira. No, 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 no. Nick, you're getting you're getting confused with Lukonga. Lukonga, who, who was oh, on the bench and played yesterday, came off the bench yesterday and got some minutes. We're talking about Amada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Amada must be. He must be. He must be on the cusp. He's got to be sitting there on the cusp. Where you know, if we get an injury in the midfield there, I think he's on the bench. Or he's in the squad. He's on. I think he's on the cusp. I think. Mark I think. Boys, boys. Hang on, folks. Mark Callan can get your coat. May as well ship him out to a club in Spain. Spanish. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh, no. I, I think boys. come in to do a job. I don't think he wants to take any risks. He's risk averse, isn't he? I think mm. Amada's probably a luxury. He's he's some. He's a player that he's not familiar with. Um, so I think he's he's playing it safe. You know, give it a couple more games. You know, we win the next two, then hopefully you might, we might start seeing some of these players that have got potential maybe yeah. coming into the side. Um, but I yeah. think until we're mathematically safe, I don't think Roy's going to risk playing playing any of these young players that we've signed. Interesting. Okay, so uh, we we still done the wiser, but um, if anyone knows um, why he's not been selected, then let us know. Um, but Lukonga, who is the boy on loan from Arsenal, he did. He was on the bench yesterday, was on the bench last week and came off the bench uh, towards the end of the game yesterday and got a few minutes. Um, OK, one of the things we've done at Red and Blue Review, we've had a bit of fun with Super 6. So, uh, Nige, um, are you still top of Super 6? Have we, have we still got it there? There we go. Nigel Croucher, our producer guy, is top of Super 6. With 416 points. Uh, where are you, Ferg? Oh, you're uh, 11. 11. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sixth. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I've missed a couple recently, though. Ah, uh, don't give me that. Don't give me that. <laughs> um, but we and, and you're not in our FPL league, are you? And I'm not going to let you in because you're doing better than me in FPL. Um, and, I, and this is our FPL league. We've got 145 people in this league. And I was 100th. I'm now up to 10th. Um, but um, I don't need some of these people that are uh, so um, that, that are doing better than me. But there we are. How many points have you got overall, Ferg, in FPL? Can you remember? I can't. No, I can't remember. I know. I know my daughter's. She was one thousand eight hundred and something last week in, in the world. In the world, yeah. That is unbelievable. That is wow. quite something out of eleven million. Yeah. So yeah, she there she would get invited to do FPL podcasts. Being that yeah. good at FPL, <laughs> yeah. that is unbelievable. I've got another big red arrow this week, so I'm not happy. Um, 
Zinchenko not being picked let me down badly. But um, anyway, I'm not going to talk more about that. This isn't about that. This is about Crystal Palace Football Club, this podcast, not FPL. So um, we're going to wrap this up very shortly, but we can't do that without looking ahead at the games that are coming up. So there we are. We have our next six games, three more in April. We've had three in April. We've had three wins in April. So if you predicted less than nine points for April, you're wrong. Um, Coming up, we have next Saturday. We're at home to Everton three o'clock kickoff. And then if you're traveling up to Wolves like I am, good on you. Tuesday, the 25th of April, uh, 7.30 kickoff away at Molyneux. And the following Saturday is the early kickoff for our home game against uh, the old EastEnders from West Ham. Uh, 12.30 start live on BT Sport, I think. Uh, And then in May, I can't believe this game is still going ahead on the 6th of May. The day of the King's coronation, we are away at Tottenham. Uh, three o'clock kickoff at the moment. Uh, and then we have Bournemouth visiting Sellers the following Saturday, 13th of May. And then Fulham away, which is our last away game, I think. Um, I can't think of another away game. Yeah, so that's our last away game. And then we have Forest to come on the final day. Um, and there's going to be a boat trip for the Fulham game. Grant Saunders is organising one of his uh, brilliant boat trips. Um, and unlike other games when we've sort of tried to do a boat trip in January and February when it's been freezing cold, <laughs> hopefully in May it'll be nice weather. So um, when Grant puts that out on his uh, Where the Eagles Have Landed Facebook page, please, if you're going and you say you're going, follow through in it and make sure you pay your money um, because that boat is a big outlay for someone to take on. And we're grateful. Has that game been confirmed yet? For, because of the it's no, it's great. That's a good point. Oh, there's an echo. We've got an echo. Right. Let's carry on. Hopefully that echo's gone. Um, no, it hasn't been confirmed. It's a good point. The Premier League is still to do that. But um, assuming it's going ahead at that time, that's what we're waiting for before the boat's finalised, the, the game to be confirmed on Sky or not, or as the case may be. So um, they're the games that are coming up. Um, next Saturday, we're at home to Everton. So predictions, guys. We're going to come to you first, Nick Philpot. What's the score going to be? 3-1. And definitely 3-1. And don't forget, Mr. Hodgson's in danger of becoming manager of the month. Three wins out of three so far. Uh, I know yeah. we've got, I think we've got another three games yet in April, but uh, if yeah. he wins that, it might even be four games in April. Um, but it's, uh, in, yeah, he's in danger of becoming manager of the month. And we don't want that, do we, boys and girls? Because we know what happens uh, with that. He was uh, Chris Grierson interviewed him after the game and said, uh, "Oh, Roy, you've won three before uh, back in 2020." He said he couldn't remember it, but he said, well, "I'm pretty sure that we've never won four in a row previously." So you're going for three-one win, Fergus? Two-one, Palace. Two-one, of course. I don't know why I bothered asking you, really. And Bruce, what do you think? Two-nil, two-nil to Palace. Two-nil. I'll go with you. Two-nil. I like a two-nil. Always think that's good. Nice clean sheet. Uh, and here we go. We've got lots of uh, scores coming through in the chat. Um, and listen, uh, it's payback time for Everton. I was at Goodison at the end of last season. It was a horrible experience to be there on that day. I was also there this season, which was probably our most abject performance of the season when we got beat 3-0 when Bakure was missing and it wasn't pretty. So it definitely is payback time for when Everton come to SE25 next Saturday afternoon. So uh, let's hope uh, we get those three points next Saturday. Let's hope it's four wins in a row for uh, Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace. Thank you so much to my uh, fellow panel tonight, to Nick, to Ferg, to Bruce. Um, oh, I nearly forgot. Crikey. This week, 
a year closer before going back to diapers. Happy birthday to Nick Philpot for this coming Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> and then, oh my goodness, our producer guy has been busy here. Look, these are some of the things that happened the year you were born, Nick. We'll make sure you get that. And uh, we hope you have a great day on Tuesday, my friend. Wednesday, but thank you very much. Oh, Wednesday, is it? All right, Wednesday. We knew it was this week. We weren't sure. Wednesday. Happy birthday for Wednesday, Nick. Uh, so that's all from me, Ian Noble. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, we'll see you, you at see you the same time again next Sunday after the Everton, uh, Everton game. Thank you for joining us. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.